and welcome to the R. Jackson Home Podcast. This week I am joined by Jen C. Spradlin. She's the adult services librarian at the Jackson Madison County Library. Um, the one downtown, or is that for both of them? We have one system, so we it cover applies both. For yeah. Okay, but we'll get back to the library here in sure. a minute. So, so Jen C., um, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background? Well, um, so we moved to Jackson almost 15 years ago. And it really feels like home to me now because when we moved here, um, my husband and I's son was 15 months old and now he's 15. Yeah. So this has been where he's grown up. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did grow up in Northeast Mississippi in Tupelo. So that technically is home mm-hmm. to me. Um, but I guess from a professional standpoint, um, a lot of my background is in marketing and PR um, is in terms of the places I've worked and the things I've done. My first job out of college was with the Nashville chamber. Mm. And that was really defining for me in a number of ways, not only getting to do public relations, um, for a large organization, um, in a city that was just starting. Mm. I mean, it was already booming, but it was not booming like like it it is is now, not, not in the, um, the late nineties. Um, but really to be a part of an organization that did things very strategically. Mm-hmm. Um, everything we did was based on our annual strategic plan. And so seeing that take place, um, was really formative for me just coming out of college to see how that can be very successful. Um, so I did that a couple of years and then where'd you go to school? Oh, I went to David Lipscomb. Okay. In Nashville, yeah. yeah. So not usually. You don't usually hear people say the David. In I know, of I know. I, I was DLU, and now it's LU, and it's hard to get, yeah. get over that. But um, it was a great time to live in Nashville during that period mm-hmm. of time. And it's interesting. People look at Nashville and they see all the great stuff going on there. But when I was in college at Lipscomb in the late nineties, um, you didn't go downtown, Mm. you know, that wasn't like the place to go and do things. I remember being on 12th Avenue coming from Lipscomb toward downtown and it wasn't the hopping 12th South district that it is today. And I remember feeling real nervous when we started (laughs) getting on down and now to see how things have boomed is really unique, but downtown at the time where the chamber was um they were just kind of getting started with their downtown partnership Mm -hmm. so they were really trying to build um that capacity and interest in people um doing things downtown um the first um apartments that were being built in downtown nashville the first apartment new was the cumberland um And there weren't a whole lot of people living downtown at that time. And I remember some people even looking at that project going, are they going to fill that up? Mm -hmm. Who's going to want to live down there? And so I think as we look, and I'm jumping a couple Mm -hmm. of decades here, as we look at Jackson today, and we're talking about how can we make our downtown vibrant? And, you know, we want to be not that we want to be Nashville, but that we want to see some of that progressive energy. We have to... I remind myself Mm -hmm. as to what Nashville was before the Titans. You know, they were just starting to build their um, stadium when I worked down there. And um, the the, um, Predators were just getting started. Mm -hmm. And and there was uncertainty about that, even then, for a city like Nashville. So, yes, we're making changes here in Jackson. And there's Mm -hmm. so much energy in the co and the people involved in that and other things. It's really exciting, um, but I think 
people always want to see change so much faster. But even when you look at a city like Nashville, that has taken decades mm-hmm. to get to where it is now. Mm-hmm. So you have to balance that out. So I, I really, um, it was an interesting perspective yeah, back in yeah. that time. Uh, but most people don't even remember that Nashville. No, no, they don't. Um, but, but after that, it was, it was kind of neat. Um, my husband, we moved to Auburn, Auburn Opelika, because he was going to do his PhD in English at Auburn. Hmm. And I wasn't that familiar with uh, East Tennessee at the time. Um, but I was really fortunate that there was a job opening that a friend of mine at the Nashville Chamber had heard about through a friend of hers um, with the city of Opelika, which is, um, it's like driving between Brentwood and Nashville. You don't know when you've left one and gotten mm-hmm. to the other. It's kind of Auburn, Opelika. Um, but Opelika had more of the industry than Auburn. Auburn was you know, has the, the university there. Mm-hmm. So I, I went to work for the mayor's office in their economic development department. And I didn't know anything about yeah. economic development, except for kind of the perspective I got from working at the Nashville mm-hmm. chamber. Mm-hmm. And I remember the president of the chamber in Nashville at the time. And I told him, I said, I'm, I'm moving to Opelika, Alabama, and I'm going to work in economic development. And he was like, what in the world could you possibly do in economic development in Opelika, Alabama. And I go, I don't know, but that's where I'm going to do it. Um, And it was a really exciting time to be in East Alabama because of the automotive industry. Mm. And that was starting to get real big. And so I immediately, like baptism by fire, jumped in and we started, um, we had like a 3,000 acre industrial park that we were working on. And automotive industry just started booming and we were getting visits by some of the big OEMs, mm-hmm. uh, Hyundai, Toyota, Nissan. And I would work these projects for like nine months to a year. And I sympathize with Mandy and those at the chamber now and the, the process of economic development, what they have to do today is so much different than when I did it. I mean, we didn't have social media and have to do all of that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So you know, they, they have so much more on their plate, but just getting to see the diversity in, um, manufacturing. I mean, honestly, I went to my first trade show for the automotive industry in Detroit. And when you buy a car, say a Toyota, in your mind, you're thinking Toyota builds the whole thing. Yeah. You know, and I get, went to this trade show and I saw a booth of this company and the only thing they made was the little ball on top of the thing that you change the gears. Uh, like that was their thing they made. Uh-huh. And I went, wait a minute. Like Toyota didn't make that. Yeah. Like there's another company that makes the ball on the top. of the thing. <laughs> That was how Imagine having the right marketing copy, copy for them. Exactly. <laughs> that would be really, we've got the best and I don't even know what ter- what that thing is called your shift head maybe maybe i don't know we'll have to google that later um but it was really fascinating just Mm -hmm. to see how that process works um and just play a small role in it Mm -hmm. um you know it's a community effort here in jackson i know the people that work in that have the one uh the team madison county Mm -hmm. and and Mm -hmm. it really does take everybody working on the same page but it it was really neat to be involved in that. And, um, we also through the mayor's office did, um, 
worked on some downtown development stuff, um, trying to build a more business-friendly environment for small businesses. And it was a real cute, historic railroad town downtown. And we had a Main Street organization that that we worked with. It's kind of like the JDDC, Mm -hmm. only it's a, you know, Main Street is kind of what the term they use. Um, and, And again, it was... You had so many naysayers when you start trying to do, really when you start trying to do anything. There are people that don't have the vision, no matter if you want to start your own business or, um, you know, you got a great idea or you have a vision for what a community can be. There's always going to be those people saying that ain't never going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and you kind of get it. You can kind of get immune to that after a while when you really roll your sleeves up and try to get something done. Mm-hmm. Um But it's neat when I look at the Facebook page for the community that I worked in and I see all of these small businesses, um, these cool restaurants and pubs in the downtown where we would just stand at these empty buildings and think about, um, you know, are there special codes we need to look at to make more businesses come down here? Or there, you know, what investors could we get or just imagining what could be? And again, that. I've lived in Jackson for 15 years, so I've not been in that community for all that time. But now it's like so cool, mm-hmm. you know. And so it's just, I think, again, it's its understanding that the process takes time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, that that was really neat. And then, of course, we, we left when he graduated Auburn and, and moved up here so he could teach at Freed Hardeman. And um, I really tried to get inundated with the community when, when I'm, when I moved here, um, or I guess I wanted to, um, you know, to figure out what this community is all about. And, and I think moving to Lana was a big part of that to give me something to work with or to care about or, um, get involved in some small way, um, in what Lana was doing at the time. Um, but I took some time off because it's pretty um, hectic work, travel life prior to, um, you know, moving here. And I had a 15-month-old, and I kind of want to be a mom for a while, mm-hmm. you know, um, and just sort of take a little break. Yeah. So. And what are what are things that you, you, you know, being involved in the community today, what are what are ways that you do that? Um. I've, I've been serving on the Lana board for a number of years. I, I tried to think back how many years I've been on the board and it, it, it seems like forever, but it probably maybe has been six or seven years. I don't know. Don't quote me on that, but, um, that's been a really neat way to feel like, um, in my own neighborhood, I can do something. Um, so I've really always enjoyed doing, doing things with Lana, um, Right now, I'm involved in my son's school with the PTO at Madison. Mm-hmm. So that's been kind of interesting. Um, just have a high schooler, you know. <laughs> yeah. looking have to a that. high schooler and, you know, being in, in a situation with trying to support the school as a with the PTO, but you've got also, you know, all the sports have their own booster clubs and the band and the art department. And so the PTO, PTA, um, actually we're called the parent support group mm. to be technical, but it's pretty much the same thing. Well, PSG doesn't. Yeah, it does. It really doesn't. Um, 
but you know, we're, we're in a different position because parents of high schoolers naturally are pulled back a little bit just because you're letting your child yeah, spread yeah, their yeah. wings and they, and, and they want some independence and they don't want mom up there all the time, no. you know, doing whatever or dad. Um, but really the, the PSG has been a great way for parents to just get support from one another. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a Facebook group and, you know, kids don't tell you what's going on at school. You know, there could be posters all over the school for an upcoming school, you know, activity, a dance or a spirit week or something. And honestly, half the parents, we won't know about it. Yeah. But fortunately, somebody will like snap a picture or say, hey, by the way, did you know that uh, there was uh, spirit weeks coming up on Monday and here it is Sunday. And have you figured out? Has your child even told you that they need to dress up as, you know, X, Y, Z on Monday? But that's been cool um, just to try to feel connected to the teachers and the school as a whole and stuff. And, of course, um, you know, trying to be involved over the years as much as I can with church, with the youth group and stuff, um, doing some things with that. I can't claim that I'm, like, super volunteer with church. You know, I mean, I love church and I love my church family, um, but I think... uh, having one child who's a male. Um, my husband's really been more involved with, um, with church trips and stuff and guys camp outs and stuff like that. So, you know, I'm, I've not been as hands-on as my husband has in that, but, um, you know, we've just tried to, to do what we can to use our talents and skills in the community in the best way possible. But, you, know, you can always do more, but um, <laughs> there's so many. No. <laughs> it is. Yeah. So you and now, how long have you been at the library? I've been at the library for three and a half years, yeah. and it has been a really, really neat opportunity for me personally. Um, I skipped over a lot of the stuff uh, just in Jackson career-wise, but more recently to working at the library, I had the opportunity to. Um, work with the University of Memphis um, in their government government affairs division um, right when they were starting the kind of unofficially not on the payroll as they were starting the conversations with um, with Lambeth and with the city and the JEA and all of that the person that then became my boss and I had met each other through some political consulting work that I had done previous with fundraising and um, seeing that I live right down the street from Lambeth, he, he said, uh, you know, I'm kind of, some of us are kind of talking about this. And, um, so he asked me to kind of give him some feedback from the community in the neighborhood and gauging the interest, um, for the community on that. And then as that process started pushing through the legislature, I was helping him with that process, um, kind of on a contract basis. And then once everything came together, um, with, with everything, um, University of Memphis kind of becoming, um, Lambeth, University of Memphis Lambeth, then I was, um, hired full time to do that. So I did that for a number of years and it was really neat to, um, I met so many people kind of being a community relations liaison here and, um, government affairs in terms of going to Nashville, um, and working with state legislature. Um, but that was a lot of travel too. So mm-hmm. to, to live here and, you know, have a child and be up in Nashville all the time mm-hmm. was, was difficult for me. And, um, 
you know, I think I was just ready for um, a little bit slower pace. Yeah, you know, I see that, and 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 I didn't know you were involved with that. I when I think about that, I in my limited knowledge of Jackson's history, I've been here for about ten years now. Uh, that's one of that you know that's right up there and the most important things that have happened to Jackson. Yeah, it was really. It, I mean, I feel humbled to have been a part of that, and I, I can't say that I I really didn't have a hand in. Um, in it, in terms of all of the leadership um, from the state down to um, the local people that stepped up, uh, but I feel thankful that I could have kind of see what was going on. But I, I was in um, one of the first face-to-face meetings with the governor, um, where pretty much this was proposed to him. Uh, person that was my boss and I had a meeting with the governor and I'd never had a private meeting with the governor. I'd met him before, but I'd never like sat in his governor Haslam. Governor Haslam. Yeah. Sat down in his office and my boss was like, all right, this is the deal. We have this thought and there's a lot of people that, you know, we think will be on board, but we need the state to, you know, help put up some operating money and, um, and it was really interesting because Governor Haslam, you know, y- you get maybe 15 minutes with him. He was super busy man, but he got it immediately. I mean, here's this major UT supporter. And all we had to say was Jackson, Lambeth, beautiful college, University of Memphis, come in. And he goes, oh, I get it. He's like, I get it. I think that would be awesome. So it it was really neat. Mm. There wasn't a whole lot of selling that yeah. you had to do to Governor Haslam. You know, and I'm just kind of sitting there like, I'm in a meeting with Governor Haslam, yeah. you know? <laughs> like, this is really interesting. And I was just kind of sitting there taking it all in. But mm. it was, it was kind of cool that, you know, there was no, you know, we didn't have to get out a chart, a flow chart or some kind of thing saying, well, you know, da-da-da-da-da, but just... Um, based on the meetings and the conversations that other leaders had had here, you know, kind of gauge the interest, um, sort of plant that bug in his ear. But he's like, yeah, y'all, you know, let's, let's try to do this. So it was neat. It was a neat time. And I think the best thing for me was just getting to know so many more people in the community um, and feeling like, you know, I could play a little part in what was going on. And, and, and then, from there was the library. Yes. Yes. Yep. I, I kind of stepped away from the university of Memphis. Um, just like I said, it was, there's so much stuff mm-hmm. with traveling and things like that. And then, um, I wasn't sure what I was going to do next. You know, those are scary times and it, it takes a leap of faith. And I know you've talked a lot about that with your own journey, um, to kind of do something different. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I struggled with that. I mean, I'll be honest. Um, I went through a dark time, um, of just questioning my own abilities, um, questioning whether I'd done the right thing, um, questioning really what skills I had and if there was any way I could put those to bear in any way in, in the Jackson community. Um, and I, I sat in bed for a long time, you know, and cried, um, and I think it, it's good for people to t- to talk about, in my opinion, I always feel encouraged when I talk to people that have struggled with, with anxiety and depression. And, you know, it, at the time it felt horrible. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like, God, I mean, I don't even know what my next step should be. And, and I'll actually backtrack onto that. 
sometimes you get so used to things working out great. You know, I mean, one job meshed into another job for me into another job that were these great opportunities. And it's easy to look at that and go, you know, not that you say it out loud, but to yourself, like, I, I, you know, things are working out for me. I'm pretty good, you know? Um, and when you hear people would hear people talk about asking God to help direct their steps, you know, I would, I would think in my mind, like, what does that even mean? Like, what are they doing and what are they hearing? You know, it, it just seemed, it wasn't something that I ever had to call upon. And I, I really didn't have that good, um, I guess, practice of doing it. So when I got to that point and I was so low and just depressed, it's like I got it because I finally said, you know, I mean, I got to work. <laughs> you know, People have got to eat. But I finally said, you know, it's not about me. Um, you know, whatever I can do, you know, whether it's substitute teaching or working in retail, you know, I didn't know. I just said, I am not above anything. Mm -hmm. So put something before me. I'm open to it. And I'll just continue to praise you in this dark period and hope, you know, and pray that something good will come out of this. And there were a few, a little project that I got to work on, you know, about six months into this period. And then I got a call from Dinah. And, and we had met each other um, through Rotary when I was with the University of Memphis, but we weren't, you know, we didn't know each other yeah. well. And she, she said, you know, I've, I've created this position for adult services librarian to help do programming and stuff for our adult population. And she said, I've, I've been praying um, about finding the right person because the beautiful thing about Dinah is that she looks for people's hearts and their willingness to serve. And, and you don't have to be, you know, she can train you about librarianship, you know. Um, and she said, and I heard you on the radio last week. And it just kind of occurred to me, I wonder if she would be interested in working at the library. And I just, it was, it was like, of course I'll come in and talk to you. And we talked and I thought, this is, <coughs> this is awesome. You yeah. know, I'm, I'm ready for this. And I have not looked back one second because finally a lot of those skills that I felt like were my better qualities that I couldn't necessarily use in some of the other jobs, I got to reinvigorate myself with creativity and being able to think about um, programs that we might have to serve um, our adult population and, you know, make cool displays and, you know, just dream big and, and working for someone like Dinah that allows you the freedom to do that and supports everyone with their ideas and their interest and helping them do what's best for the community was like, wow, you know, Mm -hmm. I just feel blessed every day. I mean, I literally wake up every day and I can't wait to go to work to see my coworkers and to do stuff and, you know, just see what the day brings. Mm -hmm. And so what, what is it, uh, you know, what does a day look like for a library? <laughs> well, it, it depends. Um, I, it could look like a lot of different things. Um, a lot of it for me 
um, and, and different people have different roles. You know, our teen librarian, our children's librarian, their desk is out there in the middle of the teen space and the children's space. And, you know, they do such a fantastic job, but I could not do that job, mm-hmm. you know, um, working with the younger kids and our circulation staff that know all our regular patrons and they're there, you know, helping them at the front desk with all their questions. My, my office is kind of in the back or let's say my desk area. And so um, I may work on planning for some ideas, you know, uh, for something that we may do in the future um, or programs that we do on a regular basis. Um, I help do the, um, I put together the programming guide. We do it for every two months. So there's, you know, layout and getting the information from the other staffers um, on programs that we're going to do and make sure that's all good and um, any kind of PR that we want to do about programs coming up. Um, I, I help with some grant stuff. So I've, we've gotten more involved in assisting the nonprofit community through this new, uh, foundation directory, um, that we've purchased, uh, an, uh, updated every day online database to like 16 million, uh, grants and hundreds of thousands of grant makers mm-hmm. and all this that you can do a lot of research. So, um, you know, looking at possible grants and, and, and those opportunities It, I mean, every day can be different. And then for example, this afternoon, I've got to go and, um, we've got this cute little board cut out with like a hole for a kid's face. And so we had it painted. We painted it, um, with Forky, the character from Toy Story, cause that was during a library card sign up month and they were the official characters. And we sort of, I sort of didn't get around to painting it for a Halloween theme. So now I figure it's kind of time that I repaint that for more of a holiday Christmas winter theme. So this afternoon I'm going to be painting, um, I think a snowman on there. And yesterday we were trying to build a book tree out of donated encyclopedias, a tree out of, out of books. Mm -hmm. So it can really be anything and everything, yeah. you know. It, it's different every day, and that's what I love as yeah. well. I, I, one of the things I enjoy about my job is yesterday I was in Memphis recording video in a in a really tall office building, and now I'm sitting here talking to you. Right. Um, so it's very different things. Uh, you know, libraries have, have changed, are in the process of changing. Uh, it's not really just a repository for books anymore. Right. So why don't you tell us about, you know, kind of what you've seen in the last three years. Where do you see, um, where do you see it going? Um, Where do you see libraries going? I think one of the first things that I had to acknowledge with myself is that I had an old fashioned view of libraries before I even took this job. Um, It was a place to go check out books. Mm -hmm. And with a husband who's an English professor you know, and a child that loved to read, if, if we wanted him to read a book, we would just buy a book, you know, cause we liked buying books. Yeah. Um, and now my husband, I mean, we took him to the library on occasion, but I really kick myself that like, we didn't go more when he was a kid. Um, but again, I think it's just that kind of old fashioned notion of what a library is. And, um, that, that, like you said, that has changed um, and continues to change. And that's what's so exciting about the library field is that once you open your eyes and see what libraries do um, and the mission that they have, 
you know, the possibilities are endless and the things that our library does, and this was well before I even, you know, came on board, um, are really exciting. And so, um, three of the main kind of focuses of the mission of our library is certainly literacy, um, but technology, which is again, a reflection of the change that technology has brought to libraries and then community. So of course we have books and we have lots and lots of books. Mm -hmm. And some people might think that, well, people don't check out books anymore, do they? Yes. They check out lots of books every day, all day long. We probably have, you know, 15,000 physical books that get checked out from our library every month um, between the main library and the North branch. Um, and, and sometimes that's more, it, it fluctuates. Um, and then we have interlibrary loan. So we have a system that we can access. So if we don't have the book, we can look at the catalog of every library in the state. And I mean, through one system and we can request that book. And we have a courier that comes, um, at least once a week to deliver books. And then some libraries request the request will come to us and we'll send one of our items out. I mean, books, audio books, even DVDs. Um, and we, I think Whitney, our research librarian, she processes two to 300 a month of just that hmm. alone. And then we have the eBooks. And are we getting out of, are, are people wanting more specialty books? Are they still really gener- general interest stuff or, you know, fiction books? Or are we getting into the research stuff where people are looking for something super specific? Well, I'm, I'm probably not the best person to answer that question because I'm not in, circ- at the, in, circulation, in circulation on, a, on yeah. a daily basis. But, you know, certainly people want the, um, the current, you know, James Patterson, we all laugh at the library, like, honestly, James, can you come out with a book every month? You know, mm-hmm. I mean, he's not writing a book a month, but, you know, there's a book with his name on it between him and, I mean, I could go down a list of some of the popular authors and people want to read those, you know, I mean, they're going to read that James Patterson book or yeah. Nora Roberts or whatever. They're going to read that book. And a lot of people have specific genres that they really gravitate towards. Mm-hmm. So there's patrons that just love sci-fi. Mm-hmm. So that's what they want to read. Um, people that love mystery. I love thrillers and suspense books mm-hmm. myself. Um, and then there's this whole category of books that I didn't even know. Like, I guess I should know they existed. But um, we have an inspirational fiction section. So there are books that... I mean, a lot of them are Christian themed, but they're, they're fictional books. And there are so many Amish books, books about the Amish. Okay. I mean, like fictional books where the characters are Amish. There's a lot of Amish romance. Do you have to write that on a typewriter then? <laughs> I, don't, I don't think Amish people aren't writing these. Um, but they are so popular. Hmm. People love these Amish romance books interesting it's interesting but i think that there it it incorporates all of these things that that we love um and romanticize i guess about romance Mm -hmm. that's real profound statement on my part but you know there's the courtship and the and you know all of this without yeah dot 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 yes um so that was really like fascinating to me uh 
it's like Amish romance. Okay. Okay. All right. Knock yourself out. Yeah. And you were, you were getting to the eBooks before. Oh yeah. 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 So, um, Oh, and I will say on the genres, this is really interesting. I point this out to people a lot of times. The teens, they love this manga. Uh huh. Yeah. My brother books. Manga. And I mean, we, our collection of manga has expanded like exponentially over the years. Mm-hmm. And these kids will come check out like 10 of these manga, which um, it's, I mean, calling it a comic book, a graphic novel. I mean, it's a graphic novel. Um, and read these things like 10 books at a time. Um, so that's, that's a really popular, uh, genre and the, and the younger kids love graphic novels too. So a lot of the popular books, um, I mean, diary of a wimpy kid and those kind of things are like not quite graphic novels and not quite, you know, quote unquote chapter books. Mm -hmm. Um, but that sort of gets kids into the enjoyment of reading and then they love reading graphic novels, but so the eBooks, um, Anybody with a library card in Tennessee can access, it's called Tennessee Reads. And um, you either use an app, it's through over, it's managed by Overdrive. And you can either get the Overdrive app or the Libby app. They're made by the same company, but Libby is kind of the one they're pushing these days. And you don't need to be, you know, audible or those other um, you know, buy Kindle books, there are tens of thousands of books that you can download for free, or you actually check them out um, for free, whether it's the audiobook or the ebook. Um, even on Reads, they have some uh, video, streaming video, and magazines, um, current magazines. So you can have this put um, sent to your Kindle device or your phone or whatever you want to do. And that has grown over the years like crazy big. Um, we have, I think Zoe, our, one of our tech managers, who has been a really big part of pushing this with our patrons, um, I think there's like seven or 8,000 ebooks that are checked out per month by our patrons. Wow. That's, that's almost huge. Like that's about half of what the print yeah, books are. Yeah, I know. That's crazy. I know. So you don't even have to come into the library uh-huh. to take advantage of those resources and listen to your audiobooks or your ebooks and that sort of thing, um, which is really cool. And I know Mayor Conger, um, he uses Tennessee Reads all the time to do his stuff. Using it right now to try to get through the Harry Potter series. Yeah, yeah. But I say, you know, you don't even have to come into the library to access that. And that's awesome because we have lots of electronic resources. But another big part... And probably something even that hit me even more when I started working there was the community portion of our mission. Mm -hmm. Um, The library as a public space is a very important public space in a community. Um, and, And what I mean by that is it's a place for you to connect with everybody in this community, regardless of their age, you know, race, um, socioeconomic level, dot, 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 on down the road. Um, it's a place where you can just come in and be, you can browse around, you can sit and read the paper and you're not going to be bothered or f- you should never feel. And we, everyone at the library does a really fantastic job of this should feel welcome into this public space. Um, we've got 
20 plus public com access computers. Um, and it's the only place you can go and just get on a computer for free and do what you need to do. You can print, you can fax, you know, all of these sorts of things. Um, we've got free Wi-Fi. Um, but I encourage people to come and just see their community members. I mean, there are people from every end of the spectrum that come into our library every day, hundreds of people, um, whether they're coming to check something out or to bring their child or to come to a meeting in one of our meeting rooms. And I don't just mean a library program, mm -hmm. but we have hundreds, I think I counted like over 800 separate meetings by groups, not the library in a year. I mean, it's all day long. We yeah. have people using our meeting rooms. So they come into this space and they can use it and, and things are free and they feel welcome. But it really opened my eyes to a lot of people in the community that maybe um, I didn't notice, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and you get to know people as people. You know, you look them in the eye. Hey, how are you doing? You know, um, this is not some person that, you know, I, I can no longer ignore this person mm -hmm. or... I can see, you know, these kids that come in after school and, um, you know, they're so excited and they want to play their, you know, the video games on our, our computers or read books. And you've got older patrons and younger and everybody in between. And it just really gives you this sense of community that I don't think you can get walking into Walmart or, you know, just going about your day-to-day -day life. And I, I think that's what... People yearn for community, um, but sometimes we don't know how to get it. And I think some of the stuff that, like, the the co has helped facilitate, you know, with the public pop-up parks and stuff like that is a reflection of especially, especially younger generations' desire for community. And so I think that's what makes the library a special place and a unique place and a place that will always be needed in our community, you know, whether – books continue to go electronic or not, um, we still need a space that we can all come together in. And that has really probably been a very defining experience for me, you know, just mm -hmm. having gr lived here for so long. And then you, you actually meet people mm -hmm. where they are. Mm -hmm. And that's cool. If someone wants to get on board with the library to know what's happening and when it's happening and what are the best ways to go about doing that? There's a couple of ways. I mean, we've got a Facebook page um, and we put our events on there in the event calendar and updates. And so we certainly would encourage everybody to like the library page. Um, you could go to our library website and we have a calendar of events that you can look at there. It's Google Calendar, so you can add it to your own calendar if that's the way you like to roll. And um, we do a um, library program guide that you can pop into the main library or the North Branch that will give you kind of at a glance the next two months. Um, I just sent our December-January guide to the printer this week. <laughs> it's been busy. And so we should have those in the next few days so that you can kind of see what we have coming up and going on. And we try to highlight um, neat resources and things. Uh, this month I highlighted our um, new memory care kits that LJ class, mm -hmm. since I'm part of that class that we just announced last week that we've got, that we donated to the library memory care kits. So that's fun. Yeah. 
Well, Jensi, thank you so much for uh, making the time to join us today and for helping to make Jackson a more well-read place. Thank you. Today's podcast was hosted by Kevin Adelsberger. Our intro music was performed by Aaron Harden. It was recorded live at The Co. To find out more about The Co., visit their website at www.atthecoe.com. To find out more about our Jackson home and to read more about how amazing Jackson is, visit ourjacksonhome.com.